Okay, y'all. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and. Wow. Okay. We're gonna go ahead and uh, get started here. Keep going here. Uh, so go ahead, grab your seats, everyone. Hey guys, my name is Brant. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Midtown East. And if this morning is your first time here, we're glad that you're here. If you are interested in getting connected, uh, we've got a table in the back that has these bookmarks. You can scan this QR code. There's a card you can fill out, put your name, your email, uh, and let us, let us know that you want to be on our email list or ask us any questions you have. Amanda will be there after the service in her bright pink blazer. So if you've got questions, you can ask Amanda. Uh, also, you may notice this morning that we have some kids in the service with us. Uh, so that's a part of us recognizing that this is a holiday weekend and... Uh, Yes, it was a little bit challenging to get Kid Town volunteers. So let's just agree together this morning that it is okay that our kids are here, right? And maybe even more than okay that we're glad that they're here. Uh, because what we believe is that whether it's happening in Kid Town or happening in our service, that it's important that our kids are here in the gospel. Uh, that they're not here just to, to, to be quiet and to fold their hands. They're actually here to receive something. Uh, but they may receive it in a way that is a little bit louder than you. So let's just acknowledge that's probably going to happen. Uh, and I'll let you know kind of as we get started that, uh, well, let's say this. If, if you're new, if you've, if you've been around for a while, maybe you've been out of town for a few weeks, let me remind you the sermon series that we're in this summer, uh, that we are studying the Lord's Prayer. And the first, the first sermon that we did in this series was when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And that cry, teach us to pray, really is guiding this whole, this whole sermon series. And what, what we acknowledged about prayer is that prayer is how we connect with the transcendent. And that all of us as people have a desire to connect with something that is bigger than us, that's more than us, that's beyond ourselves. Even if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person here this morning, that's true about you. It may be that you join yourself to a political tribe or movement. It could be sitting at a Nashville SC game with lots of other uh, NSC fans, right? That's a way of feeling like you're a part of something that is bigger than you. It can be mushrooms that give you a sense of oneness with the universe, right? Uh, that's a thing people are talking about. Or it could be through your power flow, yoga, and meditation. But, but whatever it is, what we're acknowledging is that uh, everybody has a desire to connect with something that is bigger than them. We all want that. And that prayer is, is a way that we connect with this thing that is bigger than us. So Jesus' first century followers, his disciples, they saw something in the way that Jesus prayed and in the way that through prayer he was connecting with God that they wanted for themselves. They were saying to Jesus, Jesus, we want to connect with God like you do. Teach us to pray. And that is our cry as as people, and it's our cry as the people of God to say to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us what it means to connect with God like you connect to God. And when the disciples asked that, teach us to pray, what Jesus gave them was what we call the Lord's Prayer. So we've been studying this prayer this summer as a way uh, of us learning how to pray. 
which means that what you should expect this morning is more than an interesting theological lecture. I hope it is interesting, okay? But it will be more than that. Because this is about more than you just gaining facts in your head about God. It's like the difference between a medical student and a surgery resident. Right? A medical, some, some of you have been to medical school or some kind of medical training, right? You go and you learn all of these facts about the human body. It's all theoretical, though. And then a doctor starts a residency, and suddenly the experience of all of that knowledge becomes very different. All of those facts become tools to accomplish something, accomplish something. And that's what we're saying we want as a community, that prayer would be a tool that we are using to connect with God to respond to God. That prayer would be this tool that rescues us, that saves us from our humdrum rinse and repeat lives. A tool that pulls us out of our buy and consume lives, that in the midst of our pain that can become kind of this dull background hum like the sound machine in our lives. That prayer is something that takes that and allows us to do something with it, to bring it to the Lord. That, that we as a people are more desperate that we, than we know that God would teach us to pray. And each petition in the Lord's Prayer is its own kind of portal into a deeper, uh, a deeper experience of prayer. Like a few weeks ago, we talked about hallowed be thy name, right? The first petition of the Lord's Prayer, that we're asking God for something when we say, God, would you hallow your name? We talked about God's covenant love. God's promise-making, promise-keeping love that comes to us and makes promises to us. And that God's holiness is revealed when that covenant love is revealed. And so when we pray, God, hallow your name, God, make your name holy, we're saying, God, would you take that covenant love and would you go public with it? And that opens up an entire realm of prayer for us that we get to pray in our own lives. God, would you hallow your name? Would you make your name holy? Would you declare your covenant love in my life? Lord, would you lead me to experiencing it? In the places of of brokenness and in pain in my story where it's hard for me to believe that you love me, God, would you bring healing through your covenant love in that place in my life? That's praying, God, would you hallow your name? God, hallowed be thy name. When we see those places of brokenness in other people and we pray for their healing, we're praying, God, would you hallow your name? When we're praying that the people around us would know who Jesus is, we're praying, God, would you hallow your name? So you can see that one request then becomes a doorway into so many other prayers. And that's the same with the line of the Lord's prayer that we're studying this morning. Lord, thy will be done. Y'all, this one is very practical. Because chances are, you are praying it often. A lot of times what it sounds like is, God, what should I do? Did you guys ever pray that prayer? Like how many of you, uh, let's just say in the last year, have prayed the prayer, God, should I move? Come, I know there are more of you than that, okay? I know because we, I, we talk about it all the time. That when you're asking God, should I move? You're asking, uh, God, what is your will? How many in the last year, God, should I change my job? Okay, are any of you awake this morning? Yes, that's like, that's a prayer that a lot of us are praying on a regular basis. God, should I swipe right <laughs> or left? Actually, no, I don't think any of you pray that prayer. It's after the first date when you ask, should I go on the second date, right? 
That's when you're, but you are, you're praying, God, what should I do? And guys, I will just, I'll say this to you because I know you, because we spend time together. Um, we struggle with making decisions, don't we? It's something that we talk about a lot, that we spend so much time just turning over and over and over again in our minds. We pour countless hours of our mind and our heart energy into making decisions. And it is hard for us. And the scripture that we're going to be in this morning, it addresses that. The conflict that we experience in making decisions, the clarity that we desire and the courage that we need to walk in obedience to God. We're going to talk about the conflict that comes as we are making decisions, the clarity that we desire and where it comes from, and then the courage that we receive from the gospel in living out of those convictions. I'm going to ask Ashley to come up, and Ashley Spilker is going to read our scripture for us this morning. It is out of Matthew 28, uh, excuse me, 26. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Let me flip over here for you. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sor sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Guys, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, and even as that passage is read, we just acknowledge that... Uh, Lord, it's a heavy passage to see, uh, to see Jesus uh, wrestling through what it means to follow your will. And pray, Lord, that you would be uh, speaking to us, Lord, exposing us to, to your grace and to your gospel uh, as we study this passage this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What we see in this passage, but what we also know is true from our lives, is that when we face decisions, uh, we always experience conflict. We often experience conflict. A conflict in ourselves. And that is true whether or not you consider yourself a Christian. Like, let me give you a silly example for a minute, okay? Uh, whenever I go to a restaurant, 
I, I hate ordering what other people at the table order. I don't know why, I can't explain it, but it's true. And it creates a conflict in me because I will decide what I want to order off the menu. And then as we go around and if other people order before me, I sometimes change what I want because someone else has ordered it. Again, I don't know why I do it. I think probably when I was a kid, it's because we used to share meals, but that doesn't always happen as an adult human. But I, I, so I've got, I've got this conflict as I'm ordering. Right, you've got your own stories of that, like silly ways that you experience the, the conflicting values in your lives. But there are also very serious ways we experience those things, aren't there? Like, like maybe you have had to think about uh, setting boundaries in your life with your family. And, and in that place, there are often conflicting values, that you have a de conflicting desires, like the desire to keep the peace, just keep everything the same that it always has been. This desire at the same time to protect yourself. A desire potentially to stick it to your family. And also the desire to be flexible and loving. We have all of those desires that are at war within us and it creates a sense of conflict around decision making. But there's also a spiritual kind of component uh, to this war of desire. And we see it in, in this, guys, this is a, a shocking passage. Here's what Jesus prays in verse 39. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And maybe, maybe you kind of sense it, but we are like wading into some deep Christological waters here, like about the nature of Jesus. Because what Jesus seems to be expressing is that he has a desire for something that appears to be at odds with the will of the Father. That he's saying, this, what you are asking me to do, what I believe you're asking me to do seems challenging and I don't want to do it. And yet I will do it because you're asking me to do it. So there is this conflict even within Jesus uh, over living out the prayer, uh, thy will be done. When we pray that will be done, we're in a sense uh, confessing the conflict that lives within us and we're bringing it before the Lord. And what we know, guys, is that conflict in and of itself is not necessarily bad. But if Jesus has to pray it, it means that it's not sinful. That we all have this desire in our lives as people to avoid pain. And if Jesus didn't have that, he would not have been a human that he knows what it means to be a person who wants to keep pain out of his life. And yet, he, he feels he's experiencing the way that that is in tension with God's call and with his desire to do God's will. That there's a war between our desire to do our will and our desire to do God's will. Maybe this is something that sounds foreign to you. Uh, and if you're here and you're not a Christian, of course that would sound foreign to you because there's no desire for you to do God's will. Right? And, and that makes sense, that, that, that the will that has authority in your life is your will. So being pulled into this battle of desire between my will and God's will, it only happens when you have submitted your life to Jesus. And yet, even as Christians, there are times where, we're, where we don't experience that battle at all potentially because we have been deadening our own hearts to God's will in our lives. 
that we become so committed to doing what we want all of the time that we have pushed down the voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us and reminding us and convicting us of God's will. And it will feel like, it could feel like, oh, we've resolved the conflict. I have no battle between my will and God's will, potentially because you've become so committed to your will and blind to what God's will could look like. What Jesus' example shows us here is that what we should expect as followers of Jesus is that as we mature, that battle in our lives is going to heat up. That if Jesus, if our Lord experiences this tension between his will and God's will, then we cannot assume that as Christians there's going to be a point where we mature out of it. We should expect that that is going to characterize our lives. And in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a part of what it means to be a person. There's a battle between my will and God's will. There's a conflict there. And so when we pray, God, thy will be done, we're confessing that conflict before God. We're acknowledging that it exists. The prayer, thy will be done, is also a prayer for clarity. That is the thing that so often we are asking God for, isn't it? God, will you give me clarity about this decision that's in front of me? And that prayer, trying to discern what God wants for us, guys, it's confusing sometimes, isn't it? Do any of you ever struggle with, yes, okay. It is, it is confusing sometimes. And often the way that we, that we address kind of this desire for clarity is we put on like scuba gear and go scuba diving into our own thoughts and feelings, right? Like, like we'll ask ourselves, like we'll kind of put the decision in front of us and we'll ask, well, how do I feel about this decision? Like does it make me excited or am I actually scared? Uh, wait, okay, am I, am I looking forward to it? Am I not looking forward to it? Uh, do I feel like bad about it? Or do I feel good about it? And we're, we're, we're looking for like, what is it that's going to give me the clarity that I want, that I need in my life? But we, a lot of us live with this fear of missing God's will. That if I'm not like tuned in enough, that if I'm not ready to like read the signs, I'm, God may have this opportunity for me that I turn my back on and I miss it. That we become terrified of making the wrong decision, which in and of itself becomes paralyzing. It can feel like scuba diving in the Cumberland River, you know? I'm not that I've done it, but I, I, you know, if we imagine it, that you'll get down in it and it's just brown. You turn around, you're looking every way, which way is up? There's no way to know. It can feel so murky and confusing. And Jesus gives us a different way to obtain clarity in our decision making. And we see it so clearly in verses 39 and verses 42 of our text. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. My father, if this cup cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. That what Jesus is doing, doing in those moments uh, as he's seeking clarity is he's confessing his willingness to obey Jesus. But in essence, what Jesus has decided is I, I will obey where God leads me. And that decision, that 
I will obey where Jesus is calling me. I will obey where God is calling me. That decision by itself can bring so much clarity. I'm sure there are times where you've experienced that, where you'll wrestle with something so long and you finally get to the place where you say, Lord, I will do what you have for me to do. And then all of a sudden, it's like the clouds clear away. The storm rolls back. it's possible that the answer has been sitting there the whole time. That we actually knew the decision that God was calling us to make, but we didn't want to make it because of our fear about it. And the decision uh, to, to obey God brings clarity there. I think it's especially true when we're wrestling with sin. That we have all kinds of ways of, of framing a problem that can make sin not look like sin. And we can really explain it to ourselves and then we'll call other people in and we'll try to explain it to them. Like, I know that you may think this looks like sin, but let me tell you why it's not, right? And we'll kind of try to recruit them to our side to explain to us and to believe with us that it's not sin. And we all love each other and are sometimes codependent and need other people to like us. And so we'll agree with each other in that. You're right, it's not actually that bad, right? I would just be careful with that. Handle sin carefully, right, is the, is the way that we'll approach it. But when there's that moment of, of clarity of, oh, no, this is not right, suddenly it, 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 the, the clouds roll back. The decision or the, or the request for clarity can be cleared up when we commit ourselves to the obedience that we see Jesus committing himself to in this passage. And yet, Let's acknowledge that even when we uh, decide to obey God, there are still times that it feels like we're scuba diving in the Cumberland River, right? That's true. Where we feel incredibly turned around, where we're, we're confessing to God, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I will do it. I just don't know what it is. God, help me. God, and in those moments, what so happens so often is that we we become so suspicious of our own desires. So, so critical of the things that we want. And that's something that often we've been taught in church. That oh, if you want it, it must be bad. Have any of you ever thought that? In your decision making? Oh, this decision sounds good to me. I think I'd be really excited about it. Well, I know that's not the thing God wants me to do. Okay, let me just tell you guys, that's, that's a lie. That is not true. Because here's what is true uh, about, let's just say this. This is, this is what we see in Jesus' heart when he, tells the, when he tells God, I will obey you even when, if, even when and if it feels like something I don't want to do. What Jesus is recognizing is that within him, even within his human nature, there is a desire that is deeper than a desire for his own comfort and the desire that is within Jesus that is deeper than his desire for comfort, his desire to avoid suffering or pain, is his desire to do the will of the Father. And Jesus talks about doing God's will all over the Gospels. Honestly, I was a little bit overwhelmed by the number of passages where Jesus talks about that this week. One of them is in John 4 where Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying, where I get my nourishment, my strength as a person, what is essential to my life is that I do God's will. There's this psalm, Psalm 40, verses 7 through 8, that Hebrews applies to Jesus. It says, Jesus lived this psalm out. And the psalm says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book that is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. 
your laws within my heart. I delight to do your will, oh my God, your laws within my heart. And we can say, okay, well, that's great that that's true about Jesus. That underneath Jesus' desire for comfort and pain or comfort to avoid pain and suffering, that even deeper than that is his desire to do God's will. Yeah, but what about us? Friend, if you are in Christ, what is true about you is that you have been given a new heart. That's what Ezekiel 36 tells us. It says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What Ezekiel is saying, what the prophet is saying is that when we, when we turn to Christ, we receive a new heart. And at the deepest core of who we are, that our heart resonates with the heart of God. That at the deepest core of who we are, our will resonates with the will of God. It's like a chord that you, that you pluck and that other chords that are, that are tuned the same way begin to resonate. That's true about us. That you and I have been given new hearts. That you've, we've had wills that are rehabilitated. In that way, we are like our Lord. And so when we pray, God, thy will be done, what we're saying is, God, would you open my eyes? Would you wake me up to what your will is? Would you, would you help me to resonate with how you resonate? And we trust that you can do that, that you are doing that. And that he's doing it uh, sovereignly throughout all of the different aspects of our lives. Because God has woven them together. The way that God created you, it's beautiful and unique and it's exactly what he intended. And so the desires that you, were, that you experience that are a result of your life experiences, God has written those into you. But that should be an incredibly comforting and encouraging truth for us as we think about making decisions. And yes, there is a sense in which we are right to be skeptical of our flesh. Right? That at the core of who we are, we resonate with God's will in our lives, and yet we have years of experience pulling us in opposite directions. We have an enemy that comes in and would try to pull us away from the will of God, that we have our own desires to avoid pain and suffering. And can I encourage you, one of the best ways for you to fight against that is not for you to go and lock yourself in a room and pray by yourself, but to invite other people who are a part of this community into your life and discerning the will of God for you. And we're not talking about handing over your decision-making uh, responsibility that God has given you to somebody else. We're not saying just go and ask them for advice or ask them to make the decision for you. That's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is would, would you, if, if what you're looking for is a check on your flesh, one of the best ways to do that is to invite other people uh, into the decision-making process. To say, hey, this is what's in front of me. Will you help me pray and think about this? And maybe we can like get together a little bit, like, like, like lay it out and say, hey, let's get together in a few days and I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know me, you know what I value and you know Jesus. Can you help me sort through those things? To say to someone, what I'm praying is that God's will would be done, would you, would you help me discern that? To listen to the way that my heart is resonating with the heart of God here. And to live out of that place takes courage. It is a scary thing uh, to step into God's will. And man, we see all around us the world that we live in. Uh, I mean, what, 
what we long for is that we would see people living out of their convictions, right? I was reading this article yesterday uh, in, in Politico by this author, Kathy Chow. And, and what she calls out is that we live in a world that is, that is almost more moral than any other time in American history. We have an incredible, wherever you fall on the political, moral, ethical spectrum, there is a very fine-tuned expectation of what moral living looks like. Whether it's in line with scripture's definition of that or not, there's a very, very precise, exacting, even demanding sense of morality in our world. And Kathy, she, she acknowledges this, and yet she calls out our unwillingness to live under that morality. She says, our politics and ethics are also becoming asceticized, relying more on performance of being a good citizen rather than acting it. She says that we prefer to claim the moral high ground without making any sacrifice. That what she's acknowledging is that we as people struggle to live out of our convictions, to do what we know to be right and good and true. I mean, yes, that's true about us as people. And what we say as Christians is, of course that's true. The Bible attests and speaks in spades to that being true. And we see it uh, in the passage that we're studying this morning, the difficulty, the challenge of living in obedience to Jesus, the suffering that it brings into our lives. In verse 37, it says that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. And that he said to his friends, the people he had invited in, my soul, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. That Jesus is saying that the, the sadness, even, like dare we say it about Jesus, even his anxiety, the fear that he is experiencing as he looks forward to what he knows is coming at the cross, it is overwhelming him. And he's saying the sadness and the fear that I'm experiencing is so great that, I, that it's as if I could die because it is so heavy on me. But the idea of him walking in, walking in the path that the God the Father has called him to is so heavy. It sits on him so heavily. It makes him so sorrowful, so anxious even, that, that Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm a moment away from death because of how heavy this is sitting on me. That the emotional weight of this feels like it could cause me to die. But stepping into the pathway of obeying God, it can be a heavy thing. And let's be clear, what we are not saying is that if it's the hard thing, that must be the thing you have to do. What we're saying is that regardless of where you are going, if you are going to obey Jesus, is going to bring pain and suffering into your life. It's just true. And so the cry, Lord, thy will be done, is, is a cry, Lord, would you give me the courage, would you give me the strength to go where you were leading me? Would you give me what I need to be obedient to you because in and of myself, I don't have it. It's what Jesus shows us in verse 46 when he says to his disciples, rise, let us be going, see my betrayer is at hand. 
that Jesus, with full knowledge of what is about to come, with full knowledge of all the suffering that he's about to experience, says, rise, let us go. I'm going to walk the path of obedience that God the Father has laid out for me. And in some ways, uh, that's so convicting, isn't it? Because what it, what it shows is how quickly I, how quickly we, how quickly you uh, avoid the suffering that comes from following Jesus and step back out into obeying our own will. How many times have we, when, when facing the suffering that comes out of obeying Jesus, stepped back out of God's will and back into our own? Guys, that's what this communion table is for this morning. That this table is the place that we run to and we say, we lay out for Jesus. Oh Lord, there are so many places that I have chosen. Not your will be done, but my will be done. This is the place that we say, God, I'm sorry for that. And what we see is that our Jesus has compassion for us in that place. That he doesn't stand far off with shame lips judging us for being there. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, is what he says to his disciples. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That what he's acknowledging for his disciples is, yes, you have this deeper desire to obey God's will, but you are so weak and sometimes you don't live up to it. So come to me. Acknowledge that. Repent of it. Thy will be done as an invitation into confession and repentance. God, there are so many places we have failed to do that. We lay that down here at this table. That this table is a place that we run to and we acknowledge, God, not only have I not been obedient, but God, there may be places in my life, there may be places in your life right now where you know where God is calling you to obedience and you're resisting it. If you come to this table this morning, this is the place that you say, no, God, I will obey you. I know that I'm scared. I've got so much fear about it. And Lord, I have been fighting it. I've been pushing it back. But, but coming to the table this morning is a request, God, would you give me what I need to live in obedience to you? And then it's having the faith that God has actually met us here and it's going out and living in that obedience. That's what we experience at this table is Jesus meeting us and nourishing us with his body and his blood, with his grace and with his mercy in all of the places that we have failed to live out of God's will and all the places we're afraid to do it. But this table is where we come to be nourished. That's why it's so appropriate that, that we'd be eating a meal. It's a very small meal, okay? They're not large pieces of bread. It's not going to make you not hungry for the rest of the day. But that's why our Lord gave us bread and, 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 and wine as a way to encourage us, to show us, I am nourishing you for this journey, this journey of obedience. That is not contingent on us being good enough and us always saying yes, but in faith in the one who has done that on our behalf, who has suffered on our behalf, so that in the places that we fail to live in God's will, that we can receive grace and mercy. And so that we can receive courage to then go out and walk in obedience. Which means this table is also a table of waiting. That we acknowledge, God, our lives, our world, uh, fall so short of the design and the plan that you have for us. And it's a table where we wait, where we say, Lord, we know that there is a day coming when your will will be done perfectly here on earth as it is in heaven. 
And we say, Lord, we long for that day. We're looking for that day. Lord, we're waiting for that day. We say, Jesus, come quickly. Would you meet us here in our waiting? So here's how this is going to work. In a few minutes, uh, the servers will come up. We're going to play, I think there are four songs this morning. And our goal is to create space for you to pray this prayer to Jesus. To say, Lord, thy will be done. And then to follow where the Spirit leads you with that prayer. Into repentance. Lord, these are the ways that I have I've not lived in that. To bring your decisions before the Lord that you're wrestling with and ask him, Lord, would your will be done? To bring the places you've been resisting and say, God, would you give me the courage I need to obey you in this? And there's space and there's time for you to do that. And then when you're ready, you can come up here, you can you squeeze in at these kneelers. Uh, and when you're ready to take the elements, you can put your hands out. And the servers will give you the, the bread, they'll give you the juice. If you'd like to receive prayer, you can just cross your arms and they'll pray for you. Um, and as we come to the table, I've got to give you a warning because the scriptures give us a warning. That if, if you were here this morning and you were in Christ and you were unwilling to pray, thy will be done, um, then stay in your seat. Because this table is for people who are coming to Jesus and are saying, God, your, your will be done in my life. I'm surrendering it to you. We can come with our fears, with our doubts, with all of our baggage and lay that before Jesus. But if you are unwilling to say that will be done, then deal with that. Let Jesus deal with that in you, in your seat first. And if you're here this morning and, and you wouldn't, you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, then this table is not for you right now. But this is for you when, you when you are ready to come and proclaim, Lord, thy will be done in my life. And, and let me say this. Uh, regardless of where you are, you're welcome to come, to come up here. Uh, what you can do is ask for prayer. But if you experience yourself resisting Jesus, maybe these elements are not for you in the moment, but invite, invite the people who are up here to come into your story and pray for you. And if you're here and you're, you're figuring out this Jesus thing, you're welcome to stay in your seat and you're welcome to come up and to cross your arms and to ask the people who are up here to enter into that journey and pray for you in it. So let me, let me uh, introduce this meal for us the way that the Apostle Paul introduced it. He said that he received from the, he passed, he's passing on to us what he received from the Lord, which is the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. That's what we're doing when we come to the table. You pray with me. Uh, Father, we, uh, we come to you, Lord, uh, confessing. Lord, all of the ways uh, that we have resisted obeying you in our lives. Lord, we come to you with the burdens of all the decisions that can sit so heavy on us, Lord, with our desire for clarity. Lord, pray that you would bring it. Uh, we bring to you all of uh, our doubts, confusion, Lord, and we bring them here to the table. Lord, we confess that we are a people uh, who deep down, because you have changed us, that our spirits are willing, and yet, Lord, our flesh is so weak. Would you meet with us and would you minister to us 
uh, as we come before you uh, and take this meal together this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.